0: Welcome to the Wisdom Podcast. This is your host, Justin Dora. And today's topic of conversation is what does transformation look like? And this is something I've been thinking about for the last few months, maybe even longer, maybe a year or so. And just pondering in my mind, what does transformation actually look like? It's definitely a buzzword in many spheres of society today, not just church or related to things of the people of God, I'm noticing this come up in the business community uh, and other communities where they're talking about transformational leadership. They're talking about this buzzword of transformation. And so I want to take a few minutes today and just talk about what does transformation actually look like? Because I think if we're not careful, we'll begin to define transformation by what it externally looks like and we don't actually take a deep dive into the internals that actually generate those external behaviors. Something to consider. I'm not sure that transformation and conforming are the same thing. And I wonder at times if we're so focused on externals to validate transformation if we don't in the end create a conforming culture where we have an ideal that we're just trying to conform the environment around us to that ideal in order to validate transformation. Whether this is among the people of God or it's in secular society, it doesn't really matter. And I'm not trying to aim at any one thing. I just want to create food for thought as we dialogue about what does it really mean to live a transformed life because I think that's actually what the whole New Testament is about. It's about being a new creation. It's about the old thing going. It's about new. The new covenant, Jesus in me, coming and living inside of me, transforming my inside World, so that my outside world is now congruent with who I really am in Christ. That's the good news. And so we've got to realize that transformation is not merely new habits and a renewed zeal to be self-disciplined, but transformation is a completely new substance that within the package of that substance comes desires that are godly, comes Habits and behaviors and actions that spring forth from our union with Jesus, not in spite of, or that, that don't spring forth based on how hard we're trying to look like Jesus, is what I'm trying to say. So I think it's important for us to realize that transformation really does look like a new operating system, which should be the grace of God, according to the New Testament. When the grace of God, which is the unearned power of God, freely given, that changed us already and is now teaching us to live godly by free power to live godly. When we realize that operating system is the basis for transformation, then that's a different ball game. That's what we're talking about. So when we talk about transformation, we're talking about how does this society begin to operate by the grace of God? Well, that's an awakening to the person of Jesus. That's realizing what he did on the cross. That's realizing what he's now offered by his life and sacrifice and resurrection to all of mankind. And when people start to awaken to that and believe God and trust him, then they have the, uh, the understanding that They have access to a God who is incredibly in love with them but is also super holy. And holiness isn't scary. Holiness is what makes life wonderful. Living in joy and peace and and freedom and self-control and faith. And that's what makes life fun. And I was reading recently about uh, different ways to live life. And one of the one of the aspects of the article talked about the why why do we do the things that we do so if we're talking about if transformation is is what making disciples is all about in fact I was in a meeting with someone recently and they were asking questions about the church and what's the whole point of the church and my answer was transformation that's and, and again, when I say church, what I'm I'm not necessarily saying this form or that form of church, but just the people of God, alive, knowing who they are in Christ, loving one another, loving those outside of um, the people of God, not not because they're supposed to, but because we just love people, and it spills out everywhere, bringing people into our lives. Giving them opportunities to discover who God is. Letting them own the process for themselves. That, that's what I'm saying when I'm talking about church. And, um, and that takes many different forms and they're all awesome. But the question was, what's the point? And I, and I just said, I think it's transformation. And I think the way we get to transformation is uh, through making disciples. Through real relationships with real people. In a real journey, on a real process that is Messy. Oftentimes, but is glorious at the same time. And but this article asked made me ask a new question, but why transformation? Why is that? Why is that the point? And I don't know if everyone will agree with me on this. I don't know that it bothers me if people disagree. But I think the beginning to my own answer to that question is... Why transformation is because living in peace and joy and the love of God and right relationships with people of all walks of life is the most enjoyable way to live and to demonstrate the kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven. Heaven is this atmosphere, I believe, of perfect peace, of perfect joy, of perfect, a, a perfect sense of well-being. That's why transformation. Because sin destroys people, but the life of Jesus is wonderful it's transformative, it's, it brings everything back to as it should be, you know, righteousness, one definition of righteousness is living as you ought to, not ought in the sense of you better, but ought in the sense of that's how you were made to live, it's like you ought to put gasoline in your car because that's how it was designed, you ought not to put orange juice in your car because it won't go very far, if you get what I'm saying, so that's that to me at least at this point. That's the beginnings of my answer to why. Because living in the shalom or the peace of God is the most wonderful brilliant way to live because that's how God designed human beings to live is that he would fill them with himself and overflow to their relationships, to their work, to their family, to their home life, to their what they do for refreshment and enjoyment. He would overflow in every one of those aspects of life. And there would be this, This I love in the book of Job, that says that you've made, it's like oils coming out of the rocks. It's like he makes all the rough places smooth. He just make things. He makes things work in life. I love Jesus. He said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. That's why we believe in transformation, because toil and striving and earning and grinding it out is no way to live for anyone. Rich, poor, young, old, black, white, other. It's no way for anyone to live when the God of heaven has already defeated sin. He's not counted men's trespasses against them, according to 2 Corinthians 5. So that all men might know that he reconciled the world to himself. Now be reconciled because he's already removed all barriers. So stop putting up a barrier in front of him. In front of you. And that's the good news. And so, so if you think about that. If that's the operating system we're working from. Then that's going to affect the way re- we relate to people. And you actually see this in the life of Jesus. Think about Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was like a mafia tax collector, right? He's he's ripping people off, working for the powers that be. Nobody likes him. And he meets Jesus. And how does Jesus treat him? He doesn't treat him like a tax collector. He doesn't treat him like a mafia member. He treats him like a brother. He treats him like a friend. He treats him like a son. He treats him like someone that the Father created. And what does he say to him? Zacchaeus, salvation has come to your house today. I'm going to have a meal with you. I'm coming to your place today, Zacchaeus. And what does that do? It makes Zacchaeus repent. He changes his perspective and therefore his actions change. And he ends up saying things like, everyone I've ripped off, I'm going to pay them back and up to four times what I took from them. That's amazing. That's powerful. That's transformative. And it seems like it's joyful. Now, some people may disagree and say it was, it was awful and brutal. But that's not how the story seems to make it sound. Zacchaeus wasn't asked to do that he volunteers that he it becomes it becomes an overflow of joy because of realizing relationship with Jesus or how about the woman caught in adultery the Pharisees bring her in front of Jesus and say she should be stoned according to the law Jesus gives them a wonderful answer about whoever has sin cast the first stone which he was by the way he had no sin and he didn't pick up a stone, so he, you know, didn't go with what the law said. Mercy triumphs over judgments, James says. And then he tells her, go and leave your life of sin. Now, some people read that and go, see, Jesus busted her on sin. But I would actually say that what he did was, he liberated her so that she wouldn't have to live under the tyranny of sin anymore. He gave her the word needed to live a different kind of life. So yes, He's absolutely holy, but His holiness doesn't come through the perspective of anger. It comes through the perspective of gentleness, through the perspective of love, through the perspective of joy. Or what about the lepers? No one wanted to touch the lepers, and yet Jesus sees lepers cleansed. He touches lepers and they get healed. Everyone thought that people had leprosy or people were blind. How about the blind man who was healed because of some kind of sin? And yet Jesus heals them. He touches them. He violates people's understanding of God, yet he never violates the nature of God. Because sometimes we don't realize that our perspective of God is at a much lower level than it could be. Because we haven't trusted God with things we don't understand. We limit God to what we understand, and then we make God in our own image. Let that one sink in a bit. Or how about treating people who disagree with us? The Pharisees didn't really agree with Jesus much. And in Matthew 23, Jesus rips them apart. He goes goes crazy on them in in an okay way. (laughs) But then, at the end of Matthew 23, he weeps over them. How about the Apostle Paul? I believe it's in Romans 11. He talks about how he would prefer to be cut off from Christ for the sake of his brothers. See guys, that's not just just hard-nosed discipline. That is a different operating system. That is Christ coming and living in you and then showing you that it's through vulnerability, humility, and not having it all in your control. That the power of God is released. It's a different way to live and you can't get there by earning it. It's a gift. And it's a gift that may have cost. But the good news is, Jesus is with us in the midst of the cost. He's giving us life and peace. Though outwardly we're wasting away, inwardly we're being renewed day by day. Paul was persecuted like crazy, and yet he said, I delight in my weaknesses because it's in them that God's power is made perfect. You know, sometimes as Americans, we can think that God is like us in this sense. We read things like, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent take it by force. And we go, okay, that must, so therefore, the more intense I am in my prayer life, the more intense I am in dealing with stuff, maybe even like raising my voice, like we start defining violence through our own understanding of what violence looks like in the world. But then we just put Jesus on the top of that and we say, well, in the name of Jesus, this works. And the problem is we'll do a lot of things in the name of God that God would never do. <laughs> so what if violence in the kingdom looks like peace? What if violence in the kingdom looks like rest? What if violence in the kingdom looks like humility? What if the violence of the kingdom isn't me popping veins on the side of my neck, but it's me not defending myself. It's me Promoting someone else. It's me. Letting. Someone else be the hero. What if that's violence in the kingdom? What if that does more. In the unseen world. Than me. Being the talk of the town. About what I'm good at. Hope that makes sense. And I'm not saying that there's not something. There's not seasons where. Where. Or that it's wrong to pray loudly or anything like that. That's not what I'm getting at. But I just think we should rethink some of our perspective in light of the kingdom of God does not look like the, the world. And we don't just swap out activities and keep the same operating system. The operating system must change. For the world to change. It can't just be conformed to our version a Christian version of the same world and the same worldview. Honestly, guys, the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control, that's violent in the kingdom. That's the kingdom of heaven suffering violence, in my opinion. That's at least a major aspect of it. And that's what transformation looks like. The a transformed world looks like the fruit of the Spirit. It looks like godly lives. But it's not it's not developed through self. It's given as a gift, which is again transformation. It's not buying and selling, it's giving and receiving. Jesus didn't say for, he didn't say you have been, you have bought something, now go and sell it. He said, you've been given something, now go and give it. Freely you have received, freely give. That's the economy of the kingdom. Giving and receiving, not buying and selling. So we need to think that one through in our perspective of transformation. Because transformation is what the world needs. But it doesn't need it just so we feel good about ourselves. Transformation is so that the world people have wonderful families that and peaceful homes and peaceful neighborhoods in peaceful cities in peaceful states and peaceful nations in peaceful hemispheres. <laughs> God wants his peace and prosperity, and by prosperity I just mean prosperous relationships, prosperous finances, prosperous emotions, prosperous mental faculties, prosperous, prosperous life, and in every area of life, it's the prosperity of God, mind, body, and spirit that are leaking out everywhere people go, and I think in the end that that is good news, I think in the end that is a great why for transformative ministry, transformative living in our nation of America and the nations of the earth. Thanks for listening to the podcast today. If you liked what you heard, leave us a review on iTunes and iTunes will recommend this podcast to others. Thanks everyone and take care.